Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI, an online publication owned by Informa that covers the MedTech and the diagnostics industry. On this episode, we're going to be speaking about EY's annual Pulse of the Industry report. And to do this, Jim Welch, EY's global MedTech leader of health sciences and the wellness division is joining us. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the deal activity this year. Has it gone up or has the deal activity gone down? Well, you'll find out in our discussion with Jim. We're also going to be talking about SPACs. Don't know what a SPAC is? We've got you covered. We break it down and explain why this is the hottest growing trend in med tech now. But before we get into our discussion, I want to talk to you about Biomed Device. Yes, Biomed Device will be returning to Silicon Valley December 8th through 9th with Biomed Device Silicon Valley, an event covering the advancing med tech, digital health, and personal diagnostics development sector at the San Jose McHenry Convention Center. Experts from Google, Oracle, Stanford University, Samsung SDSA, MedSec, and others will take the stage. It's going to be an amazing event, and I will be there. So I can't wait to see all of you. And this is going to happen December 8th through 9th at the San Jose McHenry Convention Center. And now, without further ado, let's talk MedTech with EY's Jim Welch. Well, Jim, welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. So, so glad to have you here. Oh, thanks, Omar. It's great to be here with you today. I'm excited to, to share some time talking about uh, some of my favorite topics. Sure, sure. We're going to dive into this, to EY's annual Pulse of the Industry report. And it's, I've looked through it. I wish I could say I thumbed through it. But that wouldn't be accurate because it's it's online. Um, so, <laughs> you know, no hard copies here. But um, I want to start off by talking about the deal activity and what we've been seeing uh, in med tech. This is the highest number of uh, annual deals that we've seen since the report launched in 2007. Is that correct? That is correct. Absolutely. Yep. So my question is, what's happening in med tech? tech that we're seeing these deals, that we're seeing the number trend upward for these deals? Well, Omar, it's a, it's a really good question. And, and one, as we were going through the data on the initial aspects of pulling the report together for this year, which is the 15th year that we've done it, um, we too were a little bit surprised by the numbers um, as we dug into it, though I think there's a couple things that, that became readily apparent um, as to what was driving that. Um, first and foremost, um, obviously, the you know the amount of activity from an innovation perspective in the industry overall continues to increase, um, and it's obviously an innovation-driven industry, so that wasn't surprising at all. Um, secondly, the the traditional acquirers or the traditional companies doing deals were not only looking for opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, inside their product sets, but also opportunities maybe um, around some of those areas related to data and and remote patient monitoring and digital technology and in areas that historically that that they hadn't looked at as actively. And the third piece, which is which I think is the most exciting part, is um, other organizations traditionally that were outside the industry looking to medtech um, and to get into 
the healthcare space, to get in the med tech space, to, to be part of the ecosystem. So just the overall expansion of the ecosystem created more and more deals. Um, so that's where we got to close to the, the 300 number. Um, notably, obviously, there was um, many of those were smaller deals, right? So the total mm -hmm. aggregate number was actually a little bit lower than it has been historically. Um, but I, we think it's it's tremendously exciting to have this much activity going on in such an innovation-driven world that we live in. Well, and, and you bring up an, uh, an excellent point. Um, you have a lot of, uh, I, I'll use this term, outsiders or <laughs> unlikely players coming in and becoming uh, definite players in med tech and in healthcare uh, for that matter. And it, it seems as if all eyes are, are, are turned toward the industry. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And we've We've noted, Omar, a couple um, over the past few years of the report, even pre-pandemic, um, about the potential disruptors to the industry, other players coming in, obviously large tech, big tech, large technology companies getting more and more active. And we've seen them do that. And certainly the firepower they have from, a, from an M&A perspective um, is significantly more than we have in our, in our core legacy industry. So that creates a lot of excitement, it creates a lot of activity. Um, and, you know, from our perspective, it's it's great for, you know, the customers that we serve, the patients and, and, and the families that we serve as an industry to have uh, more innovation, more advancements happening. So it's definitely um, um, a much bigger ecosystem than it was maybe three or four years ago. Uh, but I think that's that benefits everybody. And, and, and in fact, you see many med tech, traditional med tech companies shifting some of their language around their role in the world to be more technology driven. So I think I think there's a convergence happening that's really exciting. Let's shift our attention now to companies going public. Uh, I want to first talk about IPOs. Mm -hmm. Now, I started reporting in MedTech around 2007. And I can remember IPOs probably around that time, especially 2008 through 2010, were very rare yeah. to fire to see. But yeah. it seems as if we're seeing a renaissance in med tech with, with companies going public now and with initial public offerings. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Happy to. So. From a pure numbers perspective, in in this in this most recent report, you know the funding overall for IPOs grew 100% um, up until June 2021. I mean that's a, just a tremendous number. Now, a couple things driving that, right? You've got traditional IPOs happening um, across all industries um, at a faster pace, uh, just given the amount of capital that's available and 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 the the need to be able to compete with that capital. And then obviously you've got the other piece of the puzzle, which has come in the last couple of years, which are the, the which are the SPACs, right? The special mm -hmm. purpose acquisition companies. Can, so can, can you combine a, those two things and 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 makes for uh, um, a much different world than you're referring to back a few years ago. Can you take a minute to explain what SPACs are for for some members of the audience that might not be familiar with it? Sure, happy to. So um, SPAC stands for special purpose acquisition company, and essentially what that is. It's it's a company that's formed as essentially as an investment vehicle, but it's already a public company. Um, and their sole purpose then is to acquire private companies and give them direct access to the public markets. So it's an alternative path 
for a company to be public versus the traditional path where they would do a filing and a roadshow and all those things that that traditional IPOs would be involved with traditional IPOs. So the end the end result is the same. You have a public company, uh, just the means by getting it are, is a little bit different. Um, and there's some you know significant deals not only in our industry and others that have leveraged this vehicle to access the public markets and to drive their innovation funding. Sure. Is MedTech uh, kind of late to the party for this? Um, I, I was reading that other industries have adopted this, uh, the, the, you know, the SPAC uh, to, to go public. Uh, they've adopted it more readily, but it just seems like in the last, I want to say, year and a half maybe, that we've seen more med tech, especially companies in the digital health space, right. really uh, adopt this. Could, could you maybe give some more color to that? Well, I, I guess I would I would put it, Omar, that the party hasn't been going on very long for SPAC. Yes. Yeah. But we're probably on the on the on the um, kind of back half of that, maybe is the way I would describe it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Um, there's certain aspects inside of our industry that have taken up this this method of going public, maybe more so than others. So you've got two of the bigger deals have been in the non-imaging diagnostic space with, you know, uh, 23andMe and, and, and a couple others. Um, you've got um, some specialty therapy areas around protein therapy that there's been three or four companies that have gone through this area. So I think it's, you know, you see it in, in certain aspects of the industry. Uh, but I would say we're you know, we've we've kept up pretty readily with with this as a as a tool to to access capital. Mm-hmm. Another thing in the report that I wanted to talk about uh, was device approvals. Now, mm-hmm. I noticed in 2021, we so far see a lower amount of de- device approvals than in other years. And I know that 2021, of course, it isn't over yet. Almost, though, almost. almost. But, it seems to be trending extraordinarily low when compared to other years. What can we say about this pace at this time? Why the lag? Is it pandemic related? Or are we starting to see that the effects of or the impact that COVID-19 or the pandemic has had on regu- on regulatory actions? Yeah, I do, I do believe it, it is pandemic related. And you're right, we won't hit the numbers that we've hit historically from a, from a device approval perspective. Um, you know the systems that 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 these things go through themselves are just exhausted from the huge change and requirement to serve the needs of the pandemic, right? So you've got, um, you know, it, it it not only altered the regulatory landscape because of the number of of EUAs and all the um, entry barriers for digital therapeutics that were required to 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 work through the pandemic. So I think you've got kind of a, a lag effect as to as to all the things that happened over the past 18 months, um, just slowing things down um, at that point in time. I think the other piece of the puzzle is, you know, there's a shift happening from a regulatory perspective in our industry around medical devices, around, um, you know, regulating software as a medical device and algorithms as medical product, medical devices, and, and with an increased the needs for products like that for an increased focus on cybersecurity. So, so I think it's a combination of just, you know, the, the backlog of things happening from, from the pandemic, but at the same time, um, as we go forward and the environment changes on how healthcare is delivered, that's going to require um, the regular regulators to, to catch up a little bit. Now, the good news is um, 
they've accelerated a lot of these areas in very positive ways. So my expectation over the next couple of years is not only will we'll see it back at the levels, but we'll see a diversity of, of devices being approved and technologies being approved that is definitely going to increase. Yeah, I, you know, the last two years have been um, crazy uh, mm-hmm. when it comes, you know, to, to put it in a, uh, you know, a blunt term. Um, I can remember uh, when I, especially when I was with another organization, we had to kind of round up all the 510Ks and PMA yep. approvals. And I can remember, you know, just sometimes having pages full of information of, of, of gathering all these approvals, you know, in a month's time or so. And now when I look at it, it's not necessarily PMAs or 510Ks, but it's EUAs, especially yep. especially at the beginning of, of um, last year. Well, not the beginning of last year, but uh, starting in March of, of 2020, it was it was amazing. EUA, EUA, EUA after EUA and mostly for diagnostics. I, I'm wondering, and this is just me speculating. I'm wondering if I, I'm wondering if we're kind of redefining uh, what an approval is in a sense uh, with the EUAs. Now I know that it's nowhere near close to a PMA, but the connotation for the general public, the connotation uh, that we have now for companies, even though the rules are, are totally different, I'm wondering if with with an EUA that that might be the new gold standard or a gold standard in a sense. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm, I, I, I think, um, you know, I'd probably defer a little bit to some of our deeper regulatory experts. Yeah. But, but what, when we talk to our clients about these topics, a couple of things consistently come up and it relates to what you, what you mentioned very specifically. Um, one is, is obviously the need for speed right, and efficiency in getting through the process from an EUA, I think has taught a lot of people lessons about what's um, what's required and, and how quickly responses are, are, are driven through the process. So if that can drive some efficiency in, the, in our more traditional processes, that's probably a good thing. Um, how information ex- is exchanged and, and the velocity at which we do that, that's probably, that's definitely a positive. I think the second piece of the puzzle is also, um, you know, when we talk to our clients on a very consistent basis about the response to the pandemic, they say two very specific things. One is, you know, everyone partnered together to get these things done and get these technologies out there as quickly as possible um, and as safely as possible at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, but they also go, you know, a step further to say, and, and the regulators were a key component to that collaboration. So I just, I think the, the, the mechanism of working together hopefully will stay. The spirit by which everyone was working together will hopefully continue, which we expect it to. And I think that in and of itself will drive much more efficiency. So um, I'm not sure EUAs will be the only way to go, uh, the de facto way, but I think um, some of the lessons learned from from the process will hopefully take us forward. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we won't even talk about Europe. We won't even talk about that. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> work with that, yeah. Sure, that. sure. Um, what are some of the, I would say, what are some of the trends that you that that really stuck out to you in this report? What are some of the things that you really uh, would like to emphasize uh, from coming from the report? 
Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So I think historically, as we've done this report over the past 15 or so years, it's been very data intensive and very, very much focused on on the deals and how the money flows inside the industry, which is obviously an indicator of of, of how it's progressing and where we're investing in R&D and where de- deals are being done. Um, I think over the last couple of years, um, the focus was a little bit more on the changing of the business models and things we talked about pre-pandemic that were eventually going to happen, but were happening very slowly, um, just around more personalized medicine, more remote care, more care delivery in different places, like things that telehealth, obviously, things mm-hmm. That we talked about that were on the horizon and were probably continued to be on the horizon for a number of years. Well, the pandemic accelerated all that. So the strain that that puts on the business models of med tech companies, both legacy med tech companies and new med tech companies, were really, I think, some of the more interesting discussions. So how we create and design products and putting the patient at the center of that equation and making sure that 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 the empowered patient is now our main customer, not necessarily just the physician or the hospital system. And what does that mean for how we design our products and how we connect our products, not only to to the hospital system and the physician, but to other vendors' products, right? So that, to me, is a trend that not only has been accelerated and will absolutely continue because we don't think that's going backwards. And then how do you leverage in that context um, data and digital technologies. So there's a whole area of innovation that the industry has to truly accelerate around data and digital. Um, And this not only is the technology piece, but it's also how your R&D is structured to to balance engineering science, electrical engineering, material science, now with data science. And I think that's a huge change from an industry perspective. Um, those, Those are probably the a couple of the bigger trends kind of at the forefront that's going to push the industry in, in some new directions. Um, but I also think on that on the flip side, there's some other things that, that have to be fundamentally addressed in order for us to get there. I want to touch on something you said because it's a current theme that is running through all of my interviews, yep. all the interviews that I've had uh, over the last uh, few months, and that is the patient is transforming into the customer. Mm-hmm. And we can see it in every aspect, almost every aspect of med tech. I'm seeing more commercials using celebrities to to promote companies I've been writing about for years. Right. You know, and I won't say any names or anything. I, 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 won't, I won't do that. But I'm seeing companies take the approach, hey, we want to become a household name. We want you to know this is what we stand for. And I'm seeing that more and more. And it's it's amazing because, it, you know, if you, you, you've been in this industry for a while, you know, it's kind of like, OK, we're left to our own corner of the universe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're becoming more mainstream. And I think you're seeing companies react to that. They're taking into consideration, hey, what does the patient slash consumer a customer want not necessarily versus what the physician might want but in addition let's yep. put the let's put the customer or the consumer slash patient 
and move the patient toward the back, but think of them more at the forefront as the customer or consumer. Let's go with that um, mindset. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with, with what you're saying. In fact, I, you know, as we think about it from, from our practice perspective, and, you know, the industry, the mission of the industry has always been patient-focused, right? Everything that we do is about that aspect and delivering better care and better outcomes to patients. But the business model and the commercial model that that we found ourselves in for so many years that you referred to wasn't always in a straight line, you know, with the patient sitting in the middle of it. And and I think it's really an interesting change for larger med techs, especially, and to how to structure and organize how they go to market, how they talk about their products and services, how they deliver their messages in a in in a more outcomes based and person personal based view versus more of a technology and features view. Um, it's just a it's a really exciting time to think about how you explain your value proposition of a fairly complex medical device to a non-clinical person. Um, and it's gonna take some some learnings, it's gonna take some some really interesting um, experiments and we've seen some companies really accelerate to the forefront in, in doing that. Um, and I think it's overall, f- and, and, and it's not dissimilar to how healthcare systems are evolving, it's not dissimilar to how health plans and payers are evolving. So I feel like, um, I feel like we're, Thanks to the patients and their them being empowered, we're all getting drawn onto the same page, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's talk about the level of investment for the most recently reported period, July 2020 to June 2021. It seems to have rebounded a bit since the last reported period. Uh, can can you give some color on, uh, to that uptick or, or talk a little bit about that? Sure, happy to. So. Um, Really tough to measure, obviously, in the because the pandemic didn't doesn't line up with our reporting periods, which is yeah. always tricky. Um, how inconvenient can that be? But um, I think there's a couple of indicators there. Number one, um, the access to capital, even throughout the the toughest days of the pandemic, was was still there, right? Their inflow of venture capital, the IPOs we talked about earlier, including the SPACs. I mean, they're they're still a tremendous amount of capital out there that's available to drive innovation in the industry. The investor sentiment toward medtech um, has remained positive throughout um, the last couple of years, and so it continues to be positive as well. So, um, you know, we haven't hit some of the headwinds of some of the other sectors in pharma and, and other areas in biotech. Um, so I think those those things are a couple of the drivers to from the, for the investment level. So I think that's a real positive. I think the other is, the other aspect that we noted is on, around R&D, which was down in our reporting a couple of years ago, and we we're actually fairly critical of the industry because of it, that has seen an uptick as well. Now that's R&D directly inside, you know, organically and inorganically, but, but that investment has gone up um, marketably in the last year or so. So those are really positive trends. And, and certainly I think um, it's a good, it's it's a good indicator for the industry long term, regardless of the puts and takes that we have through the different waves of the pandemic in certain parts of of our business. Orthopedics would be an example, and dental and others. But um, I think overall, it's it's a real positive sign. Yes, yes, I I, I think so as well. Um, 
Now, while I have your final question for you, uh, because I know our time is is drawing near, but how does MedTech close out 2021? Predictions, and will <laughs> these trends hold that, that we've discussed? Uh, great question. I'm glad 2021 is almost over because it makes it <laughs> easier, right? Um, yeah. I, I do think the trends hold. I think the the acceleration of of the business model changes that are required to the topics that we talked about earlier around the changing kind of patient, more patient-centric model, I think those are absolutely going to increase. I think one thing to keep an eye on from for the remainder of this year and into the first quarter is impact in some areas of our industry around supply chain. Um, and, you know, there's an increased need for visibility around supply chain and certainly areas of regulatory and different governmental bodies around the world are asking for more locally sourced products. So I think as companies have to evolve to some of those changes. I think that's another area to watch, but I think it's one that's going to be an important advance over time. So, you know, from my perspective, the prediction is is continued growth um, in a lot of key areas, um, especially where we've seen them more recently. Um, hopefully, some normalizing from a from a procedure perspective, and 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 certainly some of the the electives coming back that that have waned a little bit in the last few months. Um, and then lastly, I, I think overall, from an innovation capital standpoint, I think we'll continue to see, you know, valuations being high, investments being significant, um, and an industry that has, has a new sense of collaboration coming out of the pandemic that'll, that'll only be positive through the next couple of years. Sure, sure. Well, if the deals keep going at the rate that they're going, we'll only have two or three companies to report on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's... Lots of lo- there's there's lots of new companies coming up, which is a great part about it. Innovation never ends, so that's sure. the fun part of being here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Jim, thanks for coming on. Let's talk MedTech. I really appreciate having you here. Omar, it was my pleasure, and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Yes, you, you've got to come back, and we've got to have a discussion about the supply chain. Uh, that's a whole other topic <laughs> that probably warrants uh, uh, another 30 minutes or so. Probably does. Happy to do it. And thanks for inviting us. We appreciate it. Sure. Anytime. Thank you. Take care.